Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. Uh, apologies for the voice, <laughs> this isn't a robot. Uh, this is me with a bit of a throat issue. Hopefully it won't get too worse as we go on. Um, interesting week in the footy landscape uh, since we spoke to you. We've had the departure of, or temporary in one case, not of one, but two AFL coaches and storied coaches as well. In fact, no fewer than seven premierships between the pair of them. I speak, of course, about Alistair Clarkson and Damien Hardwick. Uh, plenty to talk about and a big round of footy to preview as well. As I welcome my footyology co-host, Mr. Rodney Eade, uh, uh, someone who's very familiar with this scenario. Uh, interesting week, Crockett. It has been, uh, Ron. Welcome as well. Uh, yeah, it's interesting one that really puts into the frame, doesn't it, about the mental aspect of and the pressure that coaches go through and how you A, handle that, but B, obviously does wear you down and uh, 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 coaches have to re-energise or reboot or whatever the case may whatever word you want to use. But uh, you know, I think in both cases, obviously different scenarios, but... Uh, the same, uh, the same result where both individuals thought they just can't go on at the moment. Well, massive news, certainly, and news with a lot of ramifications, not only for the two individuals, but the clubs um, they have stood down from. We'll talk about where they're at, uh, who may take on the reins at, uh, well, one of those jobs, and, uh, well, where, where the other one is at the moment as well. Big show. Let's get into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. All right, well, thought we'd have an extended discussion about this massive news. And, um, it, well, since we've last spoken to you, we had the Alistair Clarkson standing down scenario first and then uh, the breaking of the news on Monday night about Damien Hardwick. Actually, I'm just going to start off with that one, Rocket, because I've been a bit taken aback at the amount of people talking about the Damien Hardwick news and potting uh, Tom Morris, the journalist who broke that news on Monday night, for not acceding to the club's request not to break it until Hardwick had spoken to the players. And uh, I, I was just really taken back at what people expected. This is the very tenant of journalism is about breaking news to people as quickly as you can. And um, Tom Morris did everything right. He he found out the news. He attempted to uh, confirm it or seek comment from Damien Hardwick. Um, he spoke to the club, who all uh, they would tell him, is my understanding, is that there was a meeting with the players the following morning. Um, and in those circumstances, no journalist worth their salt is going to be sitting on that for another 12 hours because simply it won't last. Um, B, it's in the public interest. I mean, it's not, and let's get realistic about this. Um, it's not like we're talking about a a death or something like that. We're talking about a coach standing down his job. So, yeah, okay, it would have been ideal that Hardwick told all his players before it was announced publicly that, I don't know, we'll move on to the business at hand, but I, I just thought that was uh, disquiet about uh, that. Yeah, it's right. yeah, it must have been. I didn't know that. Uh, I said it wasn't across that part of it. But... Um, I think you're right. If he's followed the, you know, the right protocols, 
uh, I think the main point there, it's not going to last anyway. And if he knows about it, other people are going to know about it. So obviously someone's leaked it to him from Richmond. Um, it's got out. Uh, he's obviously, if you're saying it's the right thing, he's trying to do the, you know, the right protocols. I've got no problem with it. Um, obviously Richmond would like it in a in the unreal world that you know we do it all nicely at the right time, but it's not going to happen that way. Uh, if he's uh, found out, well, it's it's out and about. So, yeah, I've got no issue with that. I think we move on, and uh, I think it was all done okay anyway. There was no, as you said, not a death or uh, he said, she said, or some nasty, uh, I suppose, litigation situation or racing row or whatever the case may be. It was just a just, but a coach is resigning, who's obviously a world credential coach and had a great success. But it's a big news story, and that's fine. It was out and about, not an issue. Well, let's talk about uh, the mechanics of it. Um, were you surprised when you heard the news that Hardwick was stepping down immediately? Yeah, I was a bit shocked, to be honest. Um, not shocked in the end when he said that he's you know, mentally had enough and uh, all those sorts of things. And um, obviously spoke to Brendan Gale on the Sunday after the game. But even then taken in, I thought it might have been to the bye. Might be saying, listen, I'm struggling with it, but I'll, I'll give you a heads up. I'll... I'll do it over the buy, so give them three or four weeks uh, of going through. So, yeah, I'm a bit shocked at the, at the timing of it. It was so early in the season, um, to be honest. Uh, I know he's saying that he just can't uh, continue, but he, he probably could have gone for another two or three weeks, to be honest, knowing that the pressure's off. Uh, it give them a bit more uh, space to control the message and, and, and actually work it through. So, uh, yeah. It's quite early in the season for it to happen for a guy who's won three premierships and been in the club for 13 and a half years. So uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you, you've coached three different AFL clubs. Uh, did you come close to a moment like that at all at any stage? Uh, yeah, I think yes. Yeah, for sure. Which case? Uh, and, the, and the one in the Sydney, the one in Sydney was the one in the end. You, you read the tea lectures, spoke to a few people. Now that you weren't going to... Not so much because of burnout. It was quite the opposite, really. So it's a different scenario. Um, but you knew you weren't going to be uh, recontracted at the end of the year. So it's a time when you think, oh, well, it's best to pull out uh, or, or do you keep going? So those sorts, uh, the scenario is about weighing it up, weighing about what the best course of action is. But as far as burnout, uh, no, I haven't had reached that. Even though there's a lot of stress that goes with the job. What, um, how well placed do you think Richmond are? I mean, I've, I've written a couple of pieces already on this. Uh, you know, I think Hardwick's legacy is amazing. First off, just in, in pure facts and figures terms, you know, three premierships uh, at Richmond, that's second only to Tom Hafey, who won four games record holder, 307 games. Um, but really, along with Brendan Gale and Peggy O'Neill and, and Gary March prior to Peggy O'Neill, I mean, he's helped reshape the culture and fabric of an entire club. And for people younger than, I guess, our vintage, it's easy to forget just how big a basket case Richmond had become. Uh, between, I think it was a nine-year period where between 85 and 93, where they never finished higher than 10th on the ladder, they were in the bottom three, I think, five times, two wooden spoons, and they averaged no more than six wins per season. Plus, they were broke. Uh, the Save Our Skins 
uh, fundraising campaign in 1990. I mean, this was a club that literally almost went broke. And that established that it was always a ruthless culture, but that culture then sort of turned in on itself and you had a very highly politicised and divided sort of club that was constantly looking for shortcuts, constantly uh, fighting wars with each other. Um, The extent of that change just can't be overstated, really. And I think that's perhaps the greatest legacy of all uh, with Hardwick is he remade his own image as a coach. He went from being a very, you know, data-driven and, and, um, uh, I guess, a a drills and data sort of coach to a a relationships coach. And uh, it's really worked for them. And I, I, I suspect it's sort of helped change the face of coaching where coaches are now far more focused on the relationships with their players than, you know, A, B and C diagrams on a on a whiteboard. Do you have a, a thought about oh, that? Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And uh, and he's spoken about that. And uh, the three H's that he brought into the into the club. Um, but also, you know, that's part of it. But the other part as well was the game plan, you know, the, the way they played. Obviously, everyone bought into it. So there's, I think, more... The case though is what you spoke about about the culture and what Richmond would like and the old Richmond the 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 perception of Richmond um, has changed that. Um, going forward though, your original point, what type of coach do they need and where are they at? And I think we've spoken at the start of the year. I was probably you're probably more bullish about them than I am, but definitely. Uh, <laughs> Rewalt and Cochin will go at the end of the year. Martin's playing okay, but he's not going to get any better. Uh, Nan Kervis is 31-32. Grimes is nearly on the same trajectory as Rewalt and Cotchin. He's going okay, but he's not going to get any better either, and he's had soft tissues. So there's four or five players, and you you could probably name another couple that probably won't be there either. So I think it's they've got to have a coach for development. The unfortunate thing of having a development coach is they generally don't see the course. Yeah, so of course they're there to to set some foundations, and then they get moved on because the results don't match uh, what the supporters want. Sam Mitchell's going to be the exception, I think. I think they, the club, publicly have stated their plan. Now, whether Richmond do that, um, only only Brendan Go and that will know the, the right time. But I uh, I don't think they're in the window for finals for a while. I think. With Tassie coming in, they've got to they've got to go to the draft as much as they can in the next few years. So it's going to be it's going to be some tough times. Um, whether Damien saw that as well and didn't have the energy to uh, bounce them back up and to to see through that, I think it's probably the right decision. If he can't have the energy to uh, see through a rebuild, they need someone with a lot of energy to be able to do that. You've got to devote a lot of time to development and. Uh, who that coach is going to be, or whether they've got plenty of time to find out. Well, nonetheless, uh, given even given his comments about burnout, hasn't stopped speculation about him potentially, Hardwick I'm speaking about, bobbing up at, uh, well, Gold Coast or West Coast are the two most likely uh, places, aren't they, with uh, the Suns, you know, still up and down, Stuart Jew constantly under pressure, and then West Coast just a, a basket case over there, although I would have thought, um, in resource terms, you know, that's a gig you'd be pretty comfortable with. They're certainly not short of a quid or well, resources or manpower or fans, West Coast. So that'd be an interesting one. But 
If yeah, the only thing with that is I think they're further behind Richmond in many ways. So yeah. he, hasn't got, he hasn't got the energy for um, a Richmond rebuild. I don't know if he's got the energy for a West Coast rebuild, totally where he the supporters are enamoured with him. Um, he's not going to be cut much slack. Uh, because, he's an, because he's a Victorian. Yeah, oh, he's an outsider. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where the Richmond supporters, if he was going through that, they would actually cut him because they'd seen him as one of their own. He's been there for 13 years. Um, so I would think, if the Gold Coast came up, I mean, they might be a chance for finals. Um, and it's only speculation, but it may be more about that be more appealing. Uh, I, I, wonder, I wonder to ask you, though, wouldn't, wouldn't you, if you were the Suns or the Eagles, wouldn't you be wary given that he's talking about burnout? Yeah, the, the, well, the burnout depends how long he needs to recharge. Yeah. Um, is it? let's call it six months or whatever, four or five months, or is it going to be 15, 16 months? Is it the one and a half season or just a half a season? So only he can answer that. He, he'll he get away and go go overseas, do what he has to do to, uh, to actually see where he's at. So uh, it's an interesting question how maybe he's gone uh, to my previous point about going really early uh, to give himself more time to, to actually uh, actually recharge the batteries. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, does he take another year off as well, as what, what Clarkson did? So he sits out for, for a year and a half, so therefore it'll be totally totally fresh to go. So uh, there'll be a lot of speculation. It does, it's a bit like the hand grenade throwing the bunker, isn't it? It's, uh, the coaching landscape has, has changed completely now for the next three or four months. Certainly has, and uh, you mentioned Alistair Clarkson. Well, let's briefly just talk about his situation stepping down indefinitely and uh, obviously that's a result of the enormous pressure the Hawthorne racism investigation has placed on uh, well not just him but Chris Fagan of Brisbane and Jason Burt the former uh, football manager and I should say at this point too and um, this was a bit of an issue last week the uh, indig- young Indigenous players and their families uh, who are the subjects of this investigation let's not forget the sort of pain that they've been through and the pressure that they've been under as well. And uh, that was one of the, I guess, complaints of people in all the discussion last week, that it was all very focused on the uh, the football legacy rather than the human legacy. And it's easy to forget that sometimes when you're, um, you know, as ensconced in the industry as these people are. So uh, that's one thing worth noting. But um, I don't know, it's a, a difficult one to throw to your rocket, but have you had a sense just from observation that, that Clarkson's not in a good place and not suited to continue coaching at AFL level? Uh, no, I hadn't noticed. I haven't followed North a lot. Um, you hear things that maybe are cranky at times, but he, he'd been like that at Hawthorne when they won premiership. So, right. And coaches do, so I don't think about it. And Todd Viney said that he never really picked it. I always thought, though, that how he's coping with the pressure of what was happening publicly and his name being dismissed and uh, and an upcoming uh, investigation or court case or whatever, the, or whatever the situation may be. So um, I always wondered how he would handle it, but how he would, I suppose, disassociate the two things, coaching and the, and the issues. I mean, Shane Warne was the master of being able to compartmentalise, wasn't he? Uh, but... When it's such a big thing that this, it it, ha- it has to has to um, infiltrate your mind at times, 
And I would think he got to a stage where he think his coaching is not totally um, focused on. Um, he's not doing the job justice and he needs to go away for his mental health, which I think is the right decision. Um, when he comes back, I don't know. Whether, whether the investigation finishes and it's, everyone's exonerated and it move on, then he's okay. I'm not too sure. Well, I was going to say, if you're a, if you're a betting man, do you think he would come back? Uh, yeah, I think he would. That's my gut feel. Got nothing to back that up. Yeah. Uh, whether that's in six weeks or whether that's next season, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I'm, I'm, I must say I tend to agree. Um, well, what we uh, one thing we can certainly conclude with certainty though is that the pressure on AFL coaches has probably never been greater. It's a massive scrutiny, massive industry, massive pressure. Um, and we've seen the, I guess, the human toll of that on even two of the most faded and strongest experienced coaches out there. So it's certainly not a job you step into lightly. And I think uh, anyone uh, looking to make their way in the coaching world would be a little more conscious of that now than they were perhaps a week ago. Uh, certainly the biggest news stories of this season thus far. However, the competition proceeds apace. We're almost up to the halfway point, but we are at round 11, nine big games to preview, and we're going to do that right now. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round 11 kicks off Friday evening, 7.50 at the SCG. Sydney taking on Carlton. The Swans are in 12th spot on the ladder, struggling. Four wins, six losses. And, uh, well, so close that was to being three and seven after that last second win over North Melbourne, thanks to uh, an interchange error by the Roos. Carlton are 11th on the ladder, four wins, five losses, and a draw after a uh, pretty disappointing loss to the arch enemy Collingwood last Sunday by 28 points. Pardon me. And the Blues have lost five of their last six. Uh, they don't have a great record against the Swans either. In fact, um, they've redressed that a little bit recently. They've won three of the last four. But prior to that, Sydney had won 24 of 28 games against the Blues over an 18-year period between 2001 and 2019. And the Blues at the SCG, not great there either. They've only won two out of 17 games since 1994. Uh, Sydney at the SCG, less of a fortress this year. They'd won nine in a row, but have lost three of four this year. Now, Rocket, I mentioned Carlton at the SCG, and I saw you shaking your head. You obviously have some fond memories of that from a coaching perspective. Yeah, I must admit, I can't remember losing to Carlton at the SCG when I was, when I was coaching. Probably did yeah. once, but yeah, I, um, I wouldn't have thought they had a good record there uh, at all. So it didn't surprise me one bit. All right, well, uh, two teams who, uh, well, one of them certainly we thought would be playing finals this year, and I think most people thought the Blues were. But it's almost last chance saloon for these two, isn't it, even at round 11? Yeah, very much so. I, at, uh, it's issue with Carlton uh, last week, after that initial burst by Collingwood, it was a pretty even game, as is on the scoreboard. And Carlton had a lot more scoring shots. So as badly as they're playing or as... Um, uh, uninvigorating as they are playing, uh, they're, they're still even there with a chance, um, or they're causing chances. I mean, they never looked like winning last week, but they, but they hung in there. They showed a bit of grit. The Swans, though, really, to 
I know they got some injuries, but to only just beat North Melbourne and probably should have lost in the end uh, to a team that had seven changes from the week before. They are struggling. They are really, they are really in a trial. Um, and the SCG hasn't in the past, but it should suit the way Carlton play. They're, they're a contested team, uh, not a big ground. Uh, with Sydney's tall timber out down back, how they handled Kurnow and uh, Mackay, uh, they would probably put numbers back and probably try and get them on the slingshot the other way. Well, uh, speaking about injuries to tools, the carnage continues because now Ruckman Peter Laddams uh, set for a weekly stint on the sidelines after a very serious ankle injury uh, against North Melbourne, it looked like. Um, and obviously that means the Swans will have their fingers crossed about uh, Tom Hickey, who uh, now has to uh, be passed on an, a con- concussion uh, fitness test. Tom McCartan... Uh, well, is he going the way of his brother? It's really concerning. This he is uh, remains indefinitely out with uh, symptoms of concussion, and we know that's certainly the case with Paddy. Uh, the Swans have three tall forwards, three tall defenders, and two rucks on the injured list. So if you're anyone over about six or two at the SCG, you'd be absolutely crapping yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah, there's uh, yeah some really. It's about since John McCartan. That's like he missed two or three with a first concussion, came back for one, and now he's missed two in a row as well. So it's obviously not looking great for him. But uh, yeah, their lack of heights uh, a real a real concern, especially down back. Um, so I don't know if they can get the job done this week. No, I'm I'm uh, wondering as well. Let's talk about Carlton's personnel issues now. Tom Deconing, their uh, I guess first choice ruckman, uh, he came back through the VFL after. Missing with concussion, uh, surely he'd have to come in, you'd think. Um, Martin, uh, he's had injury issues and uh, pulled up sore following his VFL comeback two weeks ago, so didn't play last week. So calf injury for him, that's some concern. Uh, Caleb Marchbank calf injury also came back through the VFL. Uh, David Cunningham, the other one who's uh, looking at missing a week, and Sam Durden will be tested on a hamstring. So the Blues injury list, it's coming down and uh, the key personnel on that are sort of back in harness. So uh, certainly in a better place injury-wise than the Swans are. Uh, I think I'm thinking the same as you, Rocket. Given that um, pretty ordinary SCG record, you'd be pretty loath to normally to tip Carlton, but the Swans just have no tools and um, they are really struggling and probably shouldn't have beat North Melbourne. So... I agree with you. I think Carlton, after that first quarter, were at least able to sort of hang in there and stay competitive against the Pies. So uh, I don't know if it's going out in a win as such, but I am going to tip the Blues to uh, get one rare win at the SCG uh, notched on the belt. I'm going to go for Carlton by two points. What about you? Well, no, I think Carlton will win comfortably, to be honest. I think uh, I think the Swans, Swans are really struggling and... As we mentioned, after quarter time, now the Blues shall be they kick that six thirteen at one stage. Like it's yeah, it's horrible kicking for goal. They're creating enough opportunities, um, and I think maybe this week it'll be one that they can get their radar on. So I'm going for the Blues by twenty nine points. Ooh, confident. Okay, well you're ahead of me on the tipping front. The uh, the gap keeps keeps uh, 
growing between us. Fair to say, I'm having a pretty ordinary year with my tipping. So, my, uh, I, you know what happens when that happens. You start going out and I win more and more and you just exacerbate <laughs> the gap. It's the gambling. Yeah, I'll win it back. I'm no good at it. Um, all right, let's turn our attention to Saturday. Marvel Stadium, 1.45pm Saturday afternoon. See St Kilda taking on Hawthorne. Uh, the Saints are fifth at 7-3 and three after a hard fought win over GWS last week. And the Hawks are 16th, but did manage to notch their second win of a season with an absolute smashing. I was trying to think of a what's a, a bigger word than <laughs> smashing, but uh, it was an absolute thumping of West Coast by 116 points down in Launceston. Head-to-head, St Kilda won the last five between these two teams. Hawthorne's last win over the Saints was back in 2018. Um, the Hawks aren't too great at Marvel either. They have lost seven of eight games there over a two-year stretch. St Kilda's home ground, of course, you'd expect them to be okay on it, and they have won five out of six games at the ground this year. The sole reversal a narrow loss to Port Adelaide, who obviously are in a pretty good space, so no disgrace in that. We've got some injuries we'll talk about briefly, but how are you seeing this one initially? Yeah, it uh, he's sort of smashing and it was, but the Hawks showed all their wares. I, I think it, it showed the Hawks are on the right track. Uh, even if you take it that the West Coast didn't put enough pressure on and it was horrible for them, you can see some signs um, that down the track, there we are, okay. Uh, and once they, you know, they've had a plan. Um, my worry for this week, though, is is the pressure that St Kilda will employ that there'll be turnovers from the young side. Last week, uh, watched a bit of St Kilda game at times, and the Giants could have easily won that, but they made some horrible blues at the wrong time, which St Kilda were able to seize upon, which is the way St Kilda playing. Play a defensive game, on the counter-attack, make some errors, and then they're off to the races. And they uh, some horrible handballs at centre half back for the for the Giants. Just some turnovers, goal to Higgins, goal to Gresham, and they're just able to stem the flow. So I think that'll be more of the same this week. They'll they'll sweat on the Hawks. Hawks will turn it over at times. Hawks will play more enterprising footy, but I think with the not so much experience, but the game plan and the one about the constant pressure and effort, I think it'll wear the Hawks down. I want to ask you. Let's just flip the scenario though. Does the way the Hawks play give them any more opportunity of exploiting the way St Kilda plays than other teams, perhaps? Yeah, we saw that with Adelaide. Um, with that, though, they're going to have to defend really well, and Adelaide did that. Um, St Kilda like to change direction down back in the back 50. Then they just stick to the boundary line. They don't come through the middle at all, so they've got to be prepared, the Hawks, to change their defensive mechanism a little bit to get the ball back but they are prepared to use the corridor, the Hawks, like Adelaide were, but I don't think their skills are good enough at this stage to be able to consistently um, sieve them. Um, Adelaide were able to do that and had some targets up forward. Um, obviously, Walker and a few others where Lewis is probably it at the moment. Bruce is, can kick some goals. I just don't think there's enough talent to be able to exploit the, the, the Saints at this stage. Well, speaking of that, let's just talk about personnel. Um, Jack. Uh, is a fortnight away for the Hawks. Uh, he has a calf injury. Seems to be a lot of calf injuries about. Yeah. Uh, Ned Reeves, Hawks Ruckman, he's on track to be available. He was subbed out with an ankle injury on the weekend. 
Uh, Wingard will be out for a second week with, surprise, surprise, a calf strain. Uh, Josh Ward has a foot injury, but he could be right next week, not so much this week. As for the Saints, uh, Mitch Owens, he's in concussion protocols and will miss this week. Uh, pretty nasty hit that in that GWS game. Membry, uh, on the other hand, may return from concussion, will be tested later in the week. And uh, Zach Jones, well, you must be wondering, will we see Zach Jones again? He's still a month away after a setback last week with his Achilles injury. So uh, not looking great for Zach Jones. Um, personnel, I guess that doesn't necessarily change your summation of this one. Rocket, how do you see this panning out? I, I figure you're going for a St Kilda win, but by how much? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Saints will win. I think they'll be... I think it'll be one quarter that which quarter or whatever it is that, that will cost the Hawks. Where hopefully it's the end where they can hang in there and make a game of it for three quarters. But uh, generally the Saints get off to a good start, so I think the, the Saints by twenty-one points. I guess the other thing I'd be worried about with the Hawks too is you know young sides uh, you know having great confidence boosting performances like that. Do they then um, end up sort of subconsciously relaxing a bit or just letting the guard down? A little bit, um, and does that sort of leave them a bit vulnerable? Uh, St Kilda, the way they play, though, it's not likely it's going to be an absolute thumping, you would have thought. So I tend to agree with your margin around that sort of 20-something point mark. I'm going to go for St Kilda to win this one by 28 points. Um, Okay, second game on Saturday afternoon, and this one could be a beauty. 2-10 Saturday afternoon at the MCG sees Melbourne up against Fremantle. Uh, the Demons have slipped to fourth on the ladder, 7-3, after that uh, nail-biting loss to Port Adelaide last Friday night by four points. And Fremantle, after looking pretty ordinary there for a while, have got on a real roll, won their last three, uh, the third of which was that win over Geelong at home. And uh, they are now up to 10th on the ladder, Five and five, and one of the reasons I'd be pretty uh, buoyant about their prospects this week is a uh, fantastic win they had over Demons at the MCG last year. In fact, their uh, their record over the Demons since 2016, Melbourne have won five and Frio three, uh, but certainly not all one way traffic. Uh, Melbourne won all five games they've played at the MCG so far this year. Docker's record there, pretty ordinary since 2018. They've only won two of eight games at the MCG, but did beat Melbourne there in round 11 last year by 38 points. Uh, and that sort of signalled, uh, I, I think, what Freo were capable of and also seemed to put the skids under Melbourne, whose season... Uh, started to uh, wax and wane a bit from that point. And, of course, the Demons ending up going out of the finals in straight sets. Uh, has that sort of danger game feel about it, I reckon, Rocket? Do you agree? Oh, it does. There's no doubt, especially with Oliver out. Um, it's, uh, it's, a really, it's a really big danger game for the Demons because they've just dropped out of the top four now. And with Oliver out, maybe for between probably the three games, you would think, um, until the bye. So... Uh, it, and they've got a tough draw, they've got a tough run, they've got Collingwood in that as well. So they wouldn't want to drop this um, because they could really see themselves two and three games behind the top four. So it is a real danger game. The, the Dockers are playing some really good footy. 
Brayshaw's back to form. Sarong's a really good midfielder. Omira's really come up and and given that tough grunt in in the centre square as well. Uh, their their forwards look a bit more dangerous uh, than they've had in the past. So I, I think they're I think they're developing nicely, um, and they would come with a bit of confidence. The MCG. Yeah, agree. And uh, look, personnel-wise, things looking pretty good there too. Heath Chapman, hamstring injury, he's still a month away. Matt Tabiner, um should... Uh, I think we have got him on the Orazio Fantasia Memorial Injury List Rocket. <laughs> I think he's, he's there. He's on the board uh, or is a patron uh, to be confirmed on Matt Tabiner. But um, Nat Fife's the interesting one there because he had a couple of games as sub came on last week they reversed it they started him and then replaced him with a sub but uh, the line from the Dockers is he's pulled up very well from his first game as a starter last week since round one um, so you'd expect his contribution to keep getting better and he's a, a bit of a wild card for them really I think they're in a I don't know I mean it's tempting to look at him and say oh you know he's he's not much of a factor now but I think he's sort of cream on top of the cake rather than the cake now, which is pretty important for them. Yeah, and I think if he can get his body right, and I think they've they've done it well with the two subs and then taking him out, so the game time's increasing, he won't be targeted by oppositions. Like they've, everyone tagged him and buffered him and go at him. They'll be looking at Brayshaw or at Sorong. So these players have taken the mantle. So him is that uh, player with exceptional talent who can change games without and the focus on him can be a real danger for them. And um, once he's starting to get his match fitness up, though, this is three games now uh, with the extra load at training. I, you know, I think he could be, as you say, could go forward, could go to the midfield uh, for, for bursts as well. Such a strong player and so good in the air. So he could be that wild card player, which will add to them, there's no doubt. Let's talk about Melbourne. Um, now, the Clayton Oliver one is interesting. He trained, but then they, uh, they scans confirmed a a hamstring strain, so you can think it can't be too serious, but uh, there's a, a TBC on Oliver's hamstring, so we'll see what that means there. The thing, the first thing I thought when I read that, though, was he never misses, do he? He and Petrarca, um, they've been so durable for them. I wonder if Petrarca goes out in sympathy now that Oliver's going to miss for a while, but it's hard to sort of imagine one playing uh, without the other. They have been so inseparable for the Demons. But it's a, it, it, obviously it's a, a massive one in terms of how it affects, affects their midfield setup. Um, and it's not the only one for them too. Uh, Jake Bowie faces a test to play this week. Um, he was subbed off on Friday. Harrison Petty uh, still five weeks away from coming back from a foot injury. Um there's the other one, Lockie Hunter there, uh, suspended uh, until next week. So uh, they're missing a few this week, Demons. And uh, as we saw last year, Frio not beyond um, being able to deal with them on the MCG. Or am I brave enough? Am I brave enough? No, I don't think I am. I think um, I think Melbourne, uh, they actually are fourth. So they're just inside that top four. But uh, buys coming up, they do need to keep winning. Uh, yeah, I think they're good enough to... Uh, you know what? I'll be honest here. It's more about my lack of faith in Fremantle. And I reckon every time I've done this for about 10 years, the same thing happens. Freo have a good win. They go on a road trip. I think, yep, this will be the making of them. And they come out and after about 10 minutes, you know they're going to get absolutely smashed. Yeah, and Luke, and Luke Jackson making his return to the MCG. See how he handles that. 
I'm going to go out and going for the upset. I'm going for the Dockers. Oh, oh, you're yeah. braver than me. Yes. Braver than me. I just worry with Oliveira out, getting enough ball going forward. Tracker will need to have a big game. I think Darcy's in really good form. We'll be able to combat Gorn and uh, Grundy with a bit of support from Jackson. So I don't think that's a bigger issue. Last week, obviously, the you know, I was worried about that when they played Port Adelaide, but it rained, which it helped. Um, but they targeted Gorn last week. Um, it was certainly a response from that. But I, I think the Dockers are in a close one. I'm going for them by 11 points. 11 points. And I must say, as you tip Fremantle, the um, the words of your famous old mentor, John Kennedy, echoed in my head. And they were, of course, in the Hawthorne tipping competition in your first year there, Rocket Messina's 1976, when Kenga assembled the troops there. And he said, don't think, tip. <laughs> Just tip with, your, tip with your gut, with your heart. So, so courageous by you. You're going for Fremantle by 11. I'm going for Melbourne by 6. Uh, let's move to Saturday Twilight. 4.35 Saturday afternoon, GMHBA Stadium, a.k.a. Uh, Simmons Stadium, a.k.a. Shell Stadium, a.k.a. The Cattery, a.k.a. Continue Park. Geelong playing GWS. Uh, Geelong, seventh on the ladder now, five and five after having lost their last two. We thought they were back on track, but they've now lost to Richmond and Fremantle. Uh, GWS, um, who you were pretty bullish on, but uh, they're struggling. 15th, 3 and 7 after uh, well, a narrow loss to St Kilda by 12 points. Geelong and the Giants, not all one-way traffic. Uh, overall, the Cats have won 9, the Giants 4 and a draw. Uh, Geelong at the Cattery, of course, a bit of a uh, bit massive fortress for them. They've won 26 of their last 30 there. Here's the interesting one, though, Rocket. GWS at the Cattery are two and four, but they've won their last two games there, 2019 and 2021. They've had two very good wins. Uh, I'll get to personnel in a moment because they've both got a long injury list, but does that history down there count for anything two years later? Um, It does to a degree, uh, but they've had a change of personnel, the... Uh, the Giants and their bottom end, I don't think is going to cut playing down the category. The Cats have lost the last couple, They're struggling a little bit. Uh, certainly not the side they were last year. They need their players in like most teams do, but they play the home ground so well. The Giants, again, another game that was close. There are probably three or four of them that could have gone either way. They just make mistakes at the wrong time. I think Adam Clinchy wants to play an enterprising game. They tap the game on, which is great, but they do it every time. There doesn't seem to balance at times where they uh, take extreme risks, risks and make a big turnover like they did last week against Secure and cost them badly. So they just need to get that balance right. This it keeps on each week. They've still got some really good talent. Toby Green was terrific last week, came back, had vital times, caused some great goals uh, for them. Um, you know, Kelly, Tom Green, uh, Whitfield played well, so they've got some real and Cornelia. They've got some really good talent. Uh, young Cadman will be a, play, a player, even though he missed that horrible shot at goal last week. It was reminiscent of Harry Mackay when he kicked it out in the full. Um, but they, they have got some talent, uh, but I can't see them challenging down here at uh, GMHBA. Well, the other factor here is it's almost like who who is less injured. Geelong uh, this week have 12 players on their official injury list, and GWS have got 13. 
And I'll tell you this much, the ramifications for the Giants are, uh, are more severe. They're going to lose Nick Haynes and Harry Himmelberg uh, this week to the concussion protocols. Uh, Josh Kelly, he is out for a month with a hamstring injury. Oh, is he? Yep. Uh, Phil Davis uh, out for a month with a calf injury. And uh, Giants still waiting for more info to determine the extent of injuries to uh, both Pruce and the other one, Cooper Hamilton, who has a foot injury. So uh, who else is on there? I've mentioned Adam Kennedy, done for the season. Uh, Sam Taylor, of course, the other massive one there. Gee, and, that's a big one. Josh Keller, I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, month, yeah, well, six weeks on Taylor too. So that was a that was a serious one. So, gee, Haynes, Himmelberg, Kelly. I would have thought if you're going to beat Geelong at Geelong, they are three players you need on deck. Let's talk about the Cats. Uh, Dangerfield misses another week with that hamstring injury. Uh, they've got guys coming back, though, and uh, I speak of Sam DeConing, Gary Rowan, and um, Jack, sorry, Ollie Henry, all in contention to return this week. Uh, Clark, he will be out for some time. He's had a navicular injury and they can be pretty serious. And Reece Stanley taking longer uh, to recover than first thought after that nasty face injury he copped in the gather round. But De Koning, Rowan and Ollie Henry are set to return this week. So that's uh, pretty big for them. Um, yeah, at the Cattery, they're the better side. They've got less personnel issues. Uh, I don't think the Giants are winning this one, Rocket. I'm going for the Cats to win this one by a comfortable 32 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think the Cats easy with Kelly out, uh, Haynes and Himmelberg. Gee, uh, it's interesting. They lost those players last week, um, or except Kelly, the other two before three quarter time. Puts a bit of a strain on them. Uh, I think the Cats by 43 points. Yep. Yep, hard to see any other result at this stage. All right, that is Saturday Twilight. Uh, let's talk about two games on Saturday evening. Saturday evening, uh, we're off to Darwin. Well, we're not Rocket, but uh, two sides, a group of commentators. Well, actually, maybe not even the commentators, given how that works these days. But 7.25pm, TO Stadium, Darwin, is the time and the venue and the combatants at Gold Coast and the Western Bulldogs and the Suns. And they're struggling. 13th on the ladder, 4-6 and six after losing to their local rival Brisbane by 43 points. That was nick and nick for three quarters, and then Brisbane just went bang in that final term. Uh, the Bulldogs, well, I have said this a number of times, once they get on a roll with form, they tend to stay on a roll. They have now won seven of their last eight games, and a pretty efficient win over Adelaide uh, on Mars uh, last week by 40 Five points. Oh, you smiled at that one too. That's a really <laughs> his sweet gag, that one, but I just feel compelled to go with it every time. Uh, Gold Coast up against Western Bulldogs. Uh, pretty one-way traffic this one. The Suns have won only three times in their history against the Doggies, and their last win was 2019. It certainly wasn't at TO Stadium Darwin either. Um, where the Suns are 2-2 two and two in their four appearances. Uh, Bulldogs have Played home games there as well. They're seven and two at TO, but they haven't played there for ten years since 2013. So uh, that could be 
a factor as well. Some injuries to talk about for both clubs. Uh, but what are you what are you thinking here? Um, I think a tight game. I'm not. Uh... You're not sold on the doggies. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I'm certainly sold on them. Just playing in Dale. That's the only yeah. thing I know. That they haven't played that for a long time, so uh, I think it's a new ground for them. Um, just the humidity. Suns are used to being from Queensland, so that that heat factor, I think, and the Suns generally have got a, a good record the last few years there. So I, I think it'll be tight. I still got the dogs. I still think they can win, even though Johannesson's out. They've got a good balance now with their team. I think they're getting selection right. They're getting plenty of run and um, bounce off half back. I know Johannesson will be a bit, a bit of a loss there. Uh, Daniel into the midfield has been a good move. Um, Lob being rotated around and not being I don't think he's a player that can cope with the pressure of being the main man or in one spot playing him as a part-time ruck on the wing going a bit forward it just take and some players respond to that better it's just being able to know the individual so I think they're getting their balance right uh Jones has obviously added into defense it'll be slippery um the humidity the suns are used to playing that that'll give them a bit of an advantage I think uh it won't be I don't think it'll be one-way traffic, but I, I think the I think the dogs will probably get up in a close one. Well, you mentioned Johannes, and let's talk about that, because uh, a pretty serious hamstring injury, and you can tell that sort of the way he came off immediately in that win over Adelaide. He's going to be out for, they're saying, at least the next two months, eight to ten weeks. Won't that, be... And that's what I thought at the time. That means it's a um, tendon injury. Yep. injury. So it's high as up, wasn't it? Yeah, so... With the tendon, it just takes longer to recover. It's not a muscle, so that's that, that makes sense. Yeah, well, he's not going to have surgery, but they're t- uh, tipping him not to return until the final month of the season. On the other hand, uh, Josh Bruce is available. Uh, he had uh, pretty significant rib and sternum damage, but he is available once more. Adam Trelaw, the other one who's missed a couple now with um, hamstring strain, uh, probably another week away. And uh, then Sam Darcy, still a few weeks away after a hole was detected in his lung. So pretty serious one there. Uh, but uh, Josh Bruce, at least, able to come back and trawl about a week away. Uh, Johannesson will certainly be a loss for them, though, I think, in terms of that creativity and run off halfback. Uh, the Suns, Connor Butterick, uh, still three weeks away with a knee injury. Uh, Sean Lemons is the um, most recent, uh, what's the word, uh, damage. Uh, four weeks, they're saying, for him with a hamstring injury, uh, hopefully to return after the bye. And then, of course, the big one for them, Took Miller. Uh, I just don't think they've got enough depth to be able to withstand an injury in his absence. He is so big a part of that side. I think he's more important to their performance and just about any other player in the competition is to their team. So, uh, I don't know. This one could be on the coast. It could be here. It could be Darwin. It could be Beijing Rocket. But I think the Bulldogs win this one every time, given the form they are in and the Suns' lack of dependability. Uh, I'm going to go for the Bulldogs to win this one by, let's say, a comfortable-ish 22 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think the dogs. Um, I think they'll they'll win. They just have a bit more experience. Obviously, Bontempelli's star. Um, they just have some some guys at the time now. And as I said before, their balance of their selection and balance of the teams a lot better. Um, uh, Judge and Waitman up forward now, giving them a bit of uh, now the ball on the ground a bit 
Yeah, yeah I, th- I think the I think the dogs by fifteen points. Fifteen. All right. Uh, let's hope it's a decent game anyway. Up in Darwin, the Northern Capital. Uh, it's another Saturday game, and uh, it's a long way from Darwin. This one's in Perth. Well, West Coast at, uh, I don't think there's any question, the lowest point in their storied history right now. They are at home this week, and they're up against Essendon on a high after uh, a terrific win in the Dreamtime game over Richmond. This one is at Optus Stadium, 7.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the Eagles. Uh, Stone Mother was last on the ladder with a 1-9 record. They have lost their last eight games. And they were smashed by 116 points against the side that was bottom of the ladder in Hawthorne. Essendon are up to ninth now, or stay at ninth, uh, five and five after that thrilling, dramatic win over the Tigers by a point. Uh, West Coast had the better of clashes against Essendon over the last decade or so. Uh, last 10 clashes, 6-4 record to the Eagles. Last year, one of their two wins for the season came against the Bombers, a 10-point win on their home deck, which is where this one is. Uh, it certainly hasn't provided much home ground advantage to the Eagles of late, though. They've lost 17 of 19 games at Optus Stadium since 2021. They lose everywhere. And Essendon, uh, their record at Optus Stadium is three wins and Five losses, both with significant injury uh, tolls. West Coast, 14 players on their injury list this week. Oh, in fact, I do do this every week with them. Let's do it again. Allen, Cole, Cripps, Cully, Darling, Hearn, Jones, McGovern, Natanui, Petrovsky, Seaton, Ryan, Shuey, Winder, and Yo uh, is the injury toll for the Eagles. We'll get to specifics on the Bombers and their personnel issues shortly, but... Um, I don't know, do you give me any chance of bouncing back here, Rocket, or is this going to be ugly for them as well? Um, no, I don't give them any chance. Uh, the ugliness of it will depend on the mindset of the of the Bombers. Um, come off a great win, even previously when they lost a few games, they were pretty competitive. And I've been pretty impressed with the, with the Bombers this year. If they go and, as a young side and uh, think, oh, well, we'll just turn up and win... Um, it uh, might be a tough day for them. I still think they'll win it, even in that situation. The Eagles are that bad. Uh, but as I said, the extent of the ugliness will depend on the professionalism and the mindset of the of the Essendon group as they go over. Uh, well, Oscar Allen uh, jarred his knee late in that loss to Hawthorne, so he's another one. Uh, the Eagles are waiting advice from a surgeon on a course of action for Jones. He's in a moon boot and on crutches. Uh, Yo and Hearn apparently on the cusp of returning, so they've got fitness tests. Uh, Tom Barras returned to training last week after a bout of illness. Um, but as always, for the Eagles personnel, an issue. Uh, the Bombers uh, should regain Dylan Shield. He was a late withdrawal for that Richmond game. He should be back for this one. Jaden Laverde has also made uh, better than expected progress from his shoulder injury and he could be back earlier than anticipated. Mac Welfie has had a reasonably serious hammy injury and he returned last week in the VFL. And the other one who may play at the lower level this week, he seems to have been out forever, Nick Cox with that back injury. 
And uh, the other two inching closer to returns, but still a few weeks away, uh, draftee Elijah Sartis and best and fairest winner Peter Wright. Gee, he'd be a valuable inclusion in that lineup in the second half of the year. Shield uh, is the one they need on deck, though. Of course, last week, um, uh, really tough for their midfield without the personnel. Uh, they were missing with Parrish and Shield out and Setterfield as well. And uh, what's the uh, prognosis on him to be confirmed? He's still a few weeks away. Look, ordinarily, you might say this could be an issue, but uh, the Eagles at such a low air bracket, you can't possibly tip them now. I'm going for Essendon to win this one. Uh, big ground. I wonder how they fare on a big ground, uh, whether that makes any difference. I don't think they're that wanting for league speed or run. Um, I think they're good enough to get the job done. Regardless of the personnel, I'm going to go for Essendon to win this one by 30 points, which might be close to as much as they've won over there, boy. What are you... Yeah. Look, look, they could win this game by 60 points. Yeah. Um, I mean, the West Coast was last week, some of their efforts were deplorable. I mean, I don't mean just dropping the ball, kicking it. Some of their lack of pressure efforts were... It was just... Which just is... Which is just horrible. Um... Allen's out and Jones are out from last week. Uh, they may get one or two back. I just can't see them really pressing. I, I think playing at home and bouncing back, they may be able to give a, a shake. And as I said with Essendon, it depends on their mindset. If they go, I think it's just going to matter of turning up. She'll be a, a plus for them. I think the Bombers by 41 points. 41. Okay, we're... Like-minded about the uh, about the margin on that one. All right, that's Saturday taken care of. Uh, let's finish off round eleven with the three Sunday games. First on the card Sunday afternoon is the MCG one ten p.m. Richmond up against Port Adelaide and the Tigers. Wow, well you got it right. You were right, Rocket. I was wrong on Richmond in twenty twenty three. They are fourteenth on the ladder. Just three wins, six losses, and a draw after that, uh, well, tumultuous loss to Essendon, which preceded the departure of coach Damien Hardwick. Port Adelaide, they are going great guns. Third on the ladder, eight and two after that terrific, uh, equally dramatic win over Melbourne at home last week. Uh, these two have uh, swapped wins over the last 10 meetings. Richmond lead that count 6-4 over the last 10 meetings. Richmond at the MCG, well, once a fortress for them. Certainly not this year. They've only won two games. They've lost four and they've drawn one. Port Adelaide at the MCG, well, it's a bit misleading, their record. They've lost their last four. The three of them have been very narrow defeats. In fact, three of those defeats have been by 12 points or less. So uh, And against pretty decent teams too. So not far away at the MCG, Port. Their confidence will be high after that uh, terrific win over Melbourne. And sorry, and uh, should say this too, second week of Sir Doug Nichols' round, Port Adelaide playing as Yatapulti for these two weeks, their Indigenous name. Um, we'll talk about injuries in a minute, but uh, this is an intriguing one, of course. Will Richmond get the uh, loss their coach impact, which can work either way, really. Andrew McWalter, we know, is the Tigers coach for this week. How big an impact does that have, do you think, Rocket? Yeah, it can have an impact, there's no doubt. I think, though, it shouldn't have a lot of impact because Damon's walked away, 
He's loved and revered. He wasn't sacked. It's not like the players are thinking, oh, well, a new coach is going to watch me. Uh, people are up for selection. I, I don't think it'll have a, a huge impact. Um, they will be extremely disappointed with last week. I mean, they should have won that with Shield and Cedarfield out, Harish out, and not being able to get the job done. Um, it'd be really disappointing uh, for the Tigers. Uh, yeah, I and Martin played well and a few, had a few players, and they still couldn't win. Um, the thing I like about Port Adelaide, everyone talks about connection and all that with players, and, and that's vital. And I think English doing that really well. They're going into every week with different tactics and different strategies and how they you know, still can't just have connection and then just go out and play boys, play like the amateurs. It's They're now targeted. Uh, I mean, they were underdone with height. And I mentioned last week, it was dry. I was really worried. And I picked Melbourne on the back of Gorn and Grundy and the fact Dixon was out. But they went in with a definite plan. Uh, they kept it low. They hit targets, even with a wet ball. Uh, they targeted Max Gorn and it, no Melbourne player supported him in that. Um, so there was a win there. Obviously, Butters had a great game and Rosie played well. And those players have stepped up to become bona fide A-graders. But I, I thought their tech, and each week they've had a different uh, strategy going in, depending on the opposition. Like they worry about how they play themselves, but certainly let's take something away from the opposition. Um, so I like that. I like Port Adelaide, the way they're going about it. Um, we don't know about injuries. You'll turn that in a minute, but I, I, think they, I think they'll win this game. Yeah, well, uh, it's pretty positive for them on the personnel front. Uh, Todd Marshall, he's been out with concussion. Just one final test for him to get through before he's ticked off. And uh, Travis Boke, rib injury, and Charlie Dixon, quad injury. Uh, they've just got to, got to get through the main session this week, but uh, probably more likely to be available than not. Dixon has missed the last two games with his injury, uh, Boke left the field early in the third quarter of that uh, Friday night win over Nam and uh, cost me a multi that was going to get up rocket. So I wasn't too happy about that. Not that we let those things influence our tipping. Um, yeah, I, gee, I, this is a tough one for me because it's one where ordinarily I'd be tipping Richmond. I just, I've, I've got a lot of faith in them. That home, <laughs> I don't know. I've got way too much, I think. But uh, I'll think about it while you're making your selection. How do you see it? Oh, no, I know. I can't go past Port Adelaide. That Richmond have had their chances. Um, they're really only missing uh, probably Lynch at this stage uh, oh, and Hopper. But uh, uh, no, they still can't. They still can't win. So I, I can't see them beating Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide on a roll. I don't know. I think. They've won some tough, tight games as well. I think they're a tough side mentally, um, and they've got that added bit of class. And uh, especially if Dixon both come back in, even if, even if Charlie doesn't impact on the scoreboard, just his presence there really helps the team. So I think Port Adelaide will win this by 27 points. I uh, just should say, too, the other one for the Tigers, Nick Vlosten, um, he has to have a test after being hawked in the league against the Bombers and, uh, well, all the usual injuries still on their list. Lynch still ages away. Uh, Soldo still ages away. Robbie Tarrant won't be seeing him again. He's definitely uh, on the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list. Won't be seeing him. And uh, Josh Gibkiss 
And two, that it had been costly for them. I think it, uh, Rioli, I keep saying it, but that forward line pressure. And Gibkiss, a really good young player for them, who I thought was really good in their defence last year. So they've missed them. That's a, I guess even that in itself is a sign of a side in transition. Yeah, look, I... Um, yeah, you know what's going to happen here, don't you? I'm going to jump off the Tigers and they're going to win. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to be filthy if this happens, but uh, I cannot uh, I cannot tip the Tigers this time. I'm going for Port Adelaide by six points. What was your margin, Rocket, with Port? 27. 27 points. <laughs> Marvel Stadium, 3.20 p.m. Sunday afternoon sees Collingwood taking on North Melbourne. The Pies sitting proud on top of the ladder with a 9-1 record after a uh, pretty efficient win over Carlton by 28 points. North Melbourne are 17th with uh, two wins and eight losses after that heartbreaking loss to Sydney by three points in the last minute last week uh, due to an interchange accounting error. Sack the accountant. No, you can't say that. It was uh, actually, uh, when you saw the footage and you understand the circumstances, uh, it's easy to see why things like that happen. Uh, Collingwood and North Melbourne. This is one of those never play cups, Rocket. They've played each other only nine times in the last nine seasons. Wow. Uh, Ross Henshaw, terrific for North in one of those early wins. No, that's <laughs> a joke. Uh account. <laughs> Gary Chan, crazy horse. <laughs> Devon two record to Collingwood in those nine games, and uh, last year only just got up against the Roos last year by seven points. Collingwood at the MCG they reign supreme, seventeen wins from their last eighteen games. There, uh, North Melbourne have lost their last seven at the G, and their last win there was all the way back in twenty seventeen. We'll talk personnel in a minute. Yes, that Marvel. Oh, what did I say? MCG. Oh, that was pretty stupid. Why have I done that? Chris <laughs> right. Collingwood the name first. It's their home game, and they're playing a home game at Marvel. That's true. It's a legacy. Which is completely... Anyway. Legacy of them always playing at the MCG. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to look up the Marvel record for both these sides while you open the batting on this one. Go for it. I'm a, I'm a bit more bullish about North Melbourne than most uh, pundits. I know they've got beltings. Um Perhaps Brett Ratton's a better coach than Alistair Clarkson and be able to get them up. It's tongue-in-cheek. Um, Very good. Um, but I like Wardlaw. He's, he's just uh, coming to the side. Looks really tough, aggressive player. And they didn't have Davies Uniac at, at the weekend either. And Phillips played well as another youngster. It was, so they've got some really good kids. They've got some good kids over the drafts the last few years. So been forced upon them. But they'll be ahead of the curve when Tasmania come in. So they'll... They'll finish the bottom three again this year. They'll get another good draft pick. Um, so I, I, I actually like what they're doing. Now their older players aren't playing exceptionally well, but they get obviously giving them a bit of uh, uh, a bit of body size and a bit of experience. They've got to learn to defend a bit better. That you now the footage against Port Adelaide the week before, whether they didn't didn't work hard enough defensively. That's where Zerhar and Larkin and these players have got to do that. They're they're into that age bracket now. They're not young players. They've got to come as that mid-age players that uh, actually show the way. But I like what they're doing. I, I like, I think down the track, I think they'll get some beltings as well, a bit like Hawthorne. I think they'll get beltings along the way. I think they might get a belting this game. 
But um, I think they're on the right path. Um, as I keep going uh, back again, I like you know, Wardlaw. He's what a really good player he's going to be. Yeah, uh, um, I think their future looks bright. Davy Zuniak will be a few weeks away, but once they get these players back, I think they could cause some could cause some damage by the end of the season. But you can't go past Collingwood. They're in really good form. They did enough last week. They they blew the game open, then they just took their foot off the pedal and just eased the cruise to through. So you know you can't see the Pies losing. Well, here's an interesting thing though. I said uh, they've won 17 out of 18 at the MCG. They've lost five of their last six at Marvel Stadium. And uh, their last game there was a eight-goal belting at the hands of the um, the Western Bulldogs. So that's pretty interesting. They're pretty contrasting records, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, it's interesting there. Yeah, they, they probably go a bit like the Tigers when they go there. They win your mind. The Tigers do win your mind about going to Marvel. Don't mean how it was all about I should, we should never play there. Well, just get on with the job. Just do it. Uh, just win the game and move on. So... I think the Pies really now the time, but now that ground should suit the way they play. They move the ball quickly. Um, it'll suit Dar- it'll suit Darcy Moore as uh, being that loose player, be able to cover the ground. So, yeah, I think they're obviously in really good form. I can't see them losing this game. Uh, Personnel wise, uh, they're unlikely to regain anyone for this week's uh, clash. The the good news though, Rocket, is that um, Frampton is expected to uh, return for round 13. Say what? <laughs> I was going to make some joke about cryogenics, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for another time. Uh, North Melbourne, they should get a bit of talent back this week. Uh, all three of Perez, Tucker and Zerha, a chance to return. Uh, Liam Shields, he's in the concussion protocols. They, so they miss a bit of experience there. And LDU, the big one for them, still at least two weeks away with a hamstring injury. Um, all right, we're not tipping almost bottom against top, are we? What is What sort of margin are you looking at for the Pies here? Uh, I think Collingwood by 39 points. 39, yeah. I'm going, uh, I'm going in even goals, uh margins this week mainly i'm going for collingwood to win this one by 32 points which leaves one game for the weekend uh that is at 4 40 p.m eastern standard time and it's in adelaide adelaide oval is the uh venue for this one adelaide playing brisbane the crows in eighth spot five and five after a 45-point loss to the Bulldogs in Ballarat last week. Brisbane are second on the ladder, 8-2, and two, after a 43-point win over their local rival, Gold Coast. Adelaide and Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane have won the last four of these clashes after Adelaide won seven in a row between these two in a uh, six-season period between 2013 and 18. Um, Adelaide at home, uh, 18 um, since 2022, 18 games they've played there, and uh, it's 50-50. They've won nine, they've lost nine. Brisbane's record at Adelaide Oval, not terrific. They've only won three, and they've lost eight. Not too many injuries between those two, a couple, which I'll get to. But, um, yeah, this could be interesting. It's a bit of a potential banana skin game for the Lions, I reckon. Yeah, can I? can we go... Do the injuries first before my selection. I think this will be tight and close and just see whether Walker and these players are back 
for the um, for the crows. No, I think what we should do is you should tip without the benefit of injuries, and then I get them because I need to make up the ground. No, I'll I'll run through them now. Uh, so Mitch Hinch, uh, he got that knock in the first quarter against the doggies, and he's in get the concussion protocols. Uh, McAdam. Shane McAdam has been back in training for two weeks, edging closer to return. Uh, that's about it for the Crows. And for Brisbane, all eyes on um, Coleman. Uh, Coleman this week after he picked up a niggle late in that win over Gold Coast. Uh, Rich um, is returning from a three-week calf injury. Uh, Payne, the other one, suffered delayed symptoms after... Uh, being hurt against the Suns are expected to miss the one match and the Lions have got the bye after this weekend so that'll help his return as well I wouldn't have thought there was either of a lot of consequence in those two injury lists Rocket what were you sweating on there no I didn't uh, just about Walker and those players back but the one interesting is Jack Payne with Walker back Bill Thorpe's not back is he He's, he's still injured uh, well, he's not on the list, so I don't think he's injured. He missed last week. He hurt his knee the week before and played out the game. That's okay. Kilda and then missed on Mars. So um, I, I didn't. He should have been in a. He should have been in a moon boot. He should. <laughs> I um, with Jack Payne out, I'm going to go for Adelaide. I think. Wow. Uh, okay. They only Andrews now as a tool. Who does he play on? Uh, um. They've got Fogarty, Thilthorpe comes back, but Walker will be back. Um, they're, they're, he's been playing quite well, Jack Payne. He's done, a, he's done a really good job filling in there as the second tall defender. Uh, I think uh, the Crows can match them through the midfield. Dunkley's been a really good player for them. Neil's back in form. Uh, so it's going to be a tough game, but on the back of what I saw against St Kilda and Crows back at home, I, I think the Crows can get up in a close one. I think we've both got our reservations still about Brisbane on the uh, from a psychological. Because I went and got white shorts on. It's not sure. <laughs> the white shorts theory. Jeez, that's very old school. The white shorts. Theory. Um, but I it just it does have that feel about it. You know, they've been up for a while. They're not at home. Going to be a bit tricky. The crows will be a bit souped up because they were pretty disappointing last week on Mars. Um, so it's just, uh, but there's just one thing here, Rocket, and it's the fact that you're tipping, uh, Adelaide and I need to make up some tips. So in a 50-50 contest, I'm going to stick with Brisbane. Um, I, no, I think this could be the game of the round though. It's interesting that it's the last game on the card, but I just, of everything, all the games we've talked about in round 11, I think this and maybe the Melbourne Fremantle one, uh, both have that potential uh, to go in an opposite direction to what the odds would suggest they would. So uh, I'll give you a chance to bail out. You still want to tip Adelaide? No, I'll go the Crows. Uh, margin again, sorry? Uh, I didn't pick a margin, but uh, I'll go the Crows by 17 points. 17 points. Double-figure margins for you in all cases. You uh, you know that it's forty. I think 40-odd percent of games this year have been decided by three goals or less. Um, 17 points is less than three goals. That's true. That's true. That is true. Uh, no flies on you, is it? Uh, all right. Uh, I'm sticking with Brisbane, but I'm sticking with them very narrowly. I'm going to go for Brisbane to win this one by eight points.
points, and uh, that means we differ on two. You've gone for Fremantle, I've gone for Melbourne. You are going for the Crows. I'm going for Brisbane, which means at the end of this round, you'll probably be two more ahead of me, <laughs> given the year I'm having. Um, no, well done again. Should be uh, a really interesting round, this. And, uh, of course, all that uh, off-field stuff, we, uh, well, let's see what happens in uh, a whole new round of coaching speculation. And isn't that fun? And uh, uh, airtime to be filled for about the next six months. They might bowl you up as a candidate, Rocket. You happy with that? No, mate. No, past, past now. Very, very happy out in the paddock. Yeah, so you're, you're you're just you're just happy doing the Footyology podcast as you should be, because you get to work with a great co-host. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope your team gets a win this week, and uh, we'll speak to you this time next week. Yeah.